Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing better and hope you're taking care of yourselves um, as we continue to navigate challenging times in our community. Uh, welcome to episode 105. Uh, we are excited to bring uh, episodes 105 and 106, uh, which are special episodes that we are um, adding on to our, our slate of March conversations. Uh, this one is with the two women of the On family, uh, Helene and Catherine, uh, one of the sisters of the On Empire, the restaurant empire that you may know of uh, if you are in San Francisco or Los Angeles, uh, mainly known for crustacean. And so we are excited to bring this conversation to you today. Uh, before we get started, we want to big, uh, give a big thanks to Bonnie, Stella, and Henry over at TDW uh, for being an amazing friends of the show and for helping us to coordinate this and our next interview. And just a heads up, uh, this is not our best audio, uh, given that part of the interview was conducted outdoors. I mean, we do have a little bit of uh, background noise, so I apologize ahead of time. Uh, we did our best. Uh, shout out to our editor, Jay Tran. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us. Uh, if you're finding us new here, uh, welcome to the Asian Americans. We share exciting and inspiring and authentic Asian American stories here. So uh, check us out on Instagram at the Asian Americans. Uh, support us however you can. Uh, you can find those links in the Instagram bio. And so without further ado, uh, our uh, next to last, our penultimate episode of March, a uh, big thanks again to Tiffany Huang, our March 2021 guest host. And here now is 105 with Helene and Catherine on, hosted by Tiffany. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Dear Asian Americans. I am Tiffany Huang, your host for the month of March, and I want to welcome you to our show. March is Women's History Month, and we are using our platform to celebrate our Asian American sisters whose stories are an inspiration to us all. In light of the tragic events happening around the country, it's more important now than ever that we share our stories, especially those centered around AAPI women. So today, we are honored to have Vietnamese Americans, Helene and Catherine Ahn, who together with their family have built the impressive House of Ahn restaurant empire that is nearly 50 years old. Welcome to the show, Helene and Catherine. Thank you so much for coming on to share your impressive story of female excellence. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank We're you. honored to be here. We are honored to have you. <laughs> yeah, so you know, yeah. Thank you. Here. You know, tomorrow um, we are going to be a week out from the tragic mass murders of eight Americans, six of which were Asian American women which is unfortunately against the backdrop of 12 months of rising hate crimes and incidents that our community has had to endure. Um, you know, I first want to ask you both how you've been and, and if you guys have found a way to take care of yourselves um, in this past week of tragic events. How are you doing? Um, I think it's it's been difficult. I mean, first, <laughs> just the pandemic alone and what it's done to our business, our community, um, has been very tough. And then on top of this layer of hate crimes towards a targeted Asian community is just, it's just been so first frustrating and angry and, you know, um, hurtful. Um, yeah. And it's horrific. And it, it's sad to see where, where we are as a country right now. Uh, because like uh, me personally, I was, for, I always said I was fortunate to be born here. And I consider myself not just Asian, but an an American. So it's really has saddened me a lot. Um, 
And I, I, I know my mom is in a lot of pain and hurt too, because I, I see her praying so much more than she normally does. Yeah. Um, sorry, I think my mom is um, a little bit emotional of, of everything yeah. that's happening it's right understandable. Now. Yeah. For, for your mother's generation also, it's almost come full circle with how difficult it was to come to a new country and mm -hmm. to try to acclimate and then to sort of see history repeating itself. Although we've sort of gone through this period of um, progression, it seems like we're actually going backwards again, which is completely, like completely backwards. And yeah. it's, it's, it's like absurd. Like I, I don't, like sometimes I think I'm in like a bad dream or something because it's not something um, that should be happening now in this day and age at all. No, I um, completely agree. And um, I mean, I, I speak for myself, my friends, my family, my community, and we're grieving with you as well. I've, I've found it very difficult to concentrate the last week. I mean, we saw all these incidents and issues arising, but I think it really did come to a head last week. And we just can't be silent anymore. And, and that is why we need to continue to share our stories. Exactly. And I think our culture has always been taught to be silence. Like that's more of our nature and, and we can't be anymore. You know, it's been, it's been very difficult because here we are struggling as a business and trying to get our staff reemployed and, and trying to focus on not having to close our business yet. We have to also protect our family and our safety. Like I'm afraid for my mom to step out of the house or even my father to step out of the house. Um, I mean, I, re I remember as a, as a child uh, witnessing racism, um, but that was when I was, you know, that was over 30 years ago when, but then I couldn't really comprehend what it is either. But over time, like I have friends of all ethnic race and it, it never occurred to me that we would be here right now. There's so much hate. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, uh, the last administration, I would say, really, you know, left yeah. it open <laughs> for this to be acceptable. And it's really not. It's, it's an atrocity. Um, and it's, it's inhuman. Like, it's, we're watching, I think, the worst of humanity unfold um, right in front of us. And it's painful for us as a community. I mean, it's just the displaced anger and hatred. Um, and it's, mis it's misinformed. Um, I mean, I know people are hurting right now and they're going through so many challenges of losing their home, losing their jobs, uh, but it's not right to to target a race and say it's our fault or, and and um, when we're all going through the same thing. Yeah, when, I mean, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, I struggle with, you know, what what can we do then, right? Like, what right. is the action that we need to put forth? And I think... You know, I deeply feel that every person can be a part of the change. And I think that, you know, you guys as a family are an excellent, excellent example of what change can happen. You know, once you put your mind to it and you put the grit behind it, look at what you guys have showcased um, for the Vietnamese American community through these, you know, nearly past 50 years. I mean, Helene, you're a trailblazer. Um, your family is credited with opening the first Vietnamese American restaurant in San Francisco. And you are called the mother of Asian fusion, um, having received the Pioneer Award um, in culinary arts from the Smithsonian. So it, 
it's a journey and change doesn't happen overnight, but it is possible. So I hold on to that hope. Um, as painful as it is, I, I do hold on to some hope that, that there will be progress because there simply has to be, right? Um, this is our home also, you know? Um, yeah, I'm really sad that um, because uh, not only America, the whole world, everybody, you know, so far, not only in America, we lost everything in 1975. Now we go back again to the corner of 1975. We try to work and face it, but we cannot blame anybody. We should think that this is because of COVID, the whole world suffer, not only America. Everybody has united. Just like we call United States, so they have to unite and resort together, but not separate and divide. It doesn't help anything. And why they aim to an Asian? The Asian, everybody come here as immigrants, and many people mm -hmm. immigrants, not only Asian people, many people immigrants, German immigrants, many people come here. They are descendants of the immigrant. So they should understand. We should tie, stay together, tie together, and help together to resolve the problem, to avoid the pandemic, how we handle the pandemic, not to blame on Asian people. They are not doing anything. Asian people, is not, everybody has suffered, and Asian people suffer too, but the Asian people, they keep quiet. And they, this is a culture, they always keep quiet, they don't say anything. And they blame, this is the reason why they take opportunity, I mean, reason to aim, to blame on the Asian. I don't think it's fair about that. Pandemic has affected not just our country, but the whole world. Mm -hmm. And we need to be unified together to try to find a solution to this. Um, what she also said was she is saddened because she left and fled a country to find refuge here in America for safety um, and for a better and security and for a better life um, for her family and for us. And now she sees that that's not we go back the same corner that we go back to the same place where where we are. That on way worry and we don't feel safety, we don't feel happiness anymore. On way worry and feel like we go out, we feel how we don't feel the safe, we don't feel security. So why? And, and why they create that kind of atmosphere? So who create that kind of atmosphere? So we have to hide, uh, stay together and control it and, and fight it. Why they create that atmosphere to create the, I mean, the bed, uh, I mean. She, she, in general, it's like they, we've created this atmosphere which created more division and that only weakens us yes you know as a, as a nation and and it's not going to get it's not going to solve violence is not going to solve and resolve anything when we're fighting amongst ourselves we're just weakening ourselves as a country and as a nation and it's it's sad i mean i agree i agree and um it is uh definitely a time to come together it's not a time 
where we put our heads down and, and we take it any longer. We need to be loud and we need to come together as a community um, to enact change. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I feel your pain um, and, and I know it's especially difficult, um, particularly with your struggle coming over as a refugee, sort of see history repeating itself. Um, I know it must be quite difficult and, and I feel your pain. Like my mom said, you know, she feels like we are all descendants of immigrants here. Yep. Um, and we found this as our home and, yeah. you know, and we're American Asian. So why are we being singled out and put as the scapegoat for this pandemic when we all have our suffering through the same challenges, going through losing our house or getting unemployed and dealing with deaths in our family as well? Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the pandemic doesn't discriminate. So why are we being discriminated against? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think it's important also to note that it's not um, everyone against us. There are specific people that are doing these things. Um, and I think, you know, it starts with the fact that we have a broken system. I mean, I'm sure you can remember, Catherine, when you were educated, um, you didn't get any Asian American education in school right. and that erasure of our culture is contributing to this. Imagine if children in schools were taught diversity, um, how much more open they would be. So, you know, I sort of view it as, what can I do um, as a parent, as an individual, what can I do to contribute as an agent of change? And one of my biggest jobs is to make sure I raise that next generation to be better um, no, you're right. than, than today's, you know? Um, so, you know, on that, I, I do, you know, recognize and reflect the pain that your mother is going through and, and all of us as a collective community. It is, it is just really a challenging time. Um, and, you know, I'm sending you a warm embrace from, <laughs> from yeah. across, across the Zoom screen. No, we're, we're sending it to all the victims that, who has been like yeah. gone through so much during this time. So we're sending all of them and their family love and support yeah. right now. Yeah, and part of the change, like I mentioned, is is doing this, is having this conversation and is sharing your stories. Um, because I think, you know, the more that we put out there, the more that people have access to and the more that they can understand our cultures and our journeys and potentially become sympathetic and empathetic um, to understand that hate is not the way forward, that we need to lead with love and encouragement. Um, and I know, you know, the diff there was, you know, obviously you guys as a family encountered difficulties um, fleeing from Vietnam, but I think it would be nice if you could share your story about your journey to the U.S. and, and how you built your business. Because I think, you know, I'd, I'd still like to remember that it is Women's History Month and you guys do have an impressive empire that is largely female driven. Um, and I think that's a beautiful story to tell as well. Yeah, we'd love for you to share your family's origin story to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. After the communists take over the whole country, so we want to. So we come here on 1975. So we we just want to get um. Get, we just hope that we can come here to get safety, for happiness, and freedom. It's a main thing we. We, we want to be here. The freedom, happiness, and safety. 
This is the reason why we come here in 1975. And I'm very lucky that uh, my family very lucky that I can get out of the Vietnam. Uh, my husband at that time, he's, uh, oh, I mean, he has uh, he had mission. Uh, he flew to uh, Black Air Base every year, and every year he has to flow to uh, Black Air Base at least three times. And that time he told me that uh, he has to go, but I feel I have feeling that something not safe. And I told him no, but he said no, he had mission, he has to go. So he left Vietnam on February and March, we have a problem already. And then I'm lucky that one of his friends, he come over to me, to my house. He say, you have to leave now. If you believe me, just leave it. So I say, what happened to my husband? He said, don't worry. Now just go and believe me. So I go. And believe him and just take my two daughters, uh, three daughters, no thing, no thing. I just uh, grab my three daughters and jump in the jeep, go to the, I mean, to the Vietnamese airspace. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived there, I'm very surprised after they closed the door, when the jeep go in, I closed the door. I saw many people already sit on the floor. That means America, the America, I mean, uh, the government, American government, they already planned already, but they do very quiet. So, so I'm lucky that one of my friends, they know that, so they come and pick me up and they throw me into uh, uh, Vietnamese airbase. And when I come there, I'm very surprised. I'm so worried. I say, what happened to all my mom, my parents, my sister? And I say, what I can do for them? And I try to get on my telephone to call them, but they cut out everything. So nobody can connect to outside. So I just sit on the floor and waiting and waiting to get in and just wait for them. They go, they don't allow you to go out anymore. Mm -hmm. So you just wait how you can, you don't know what's going on. And uh, after that, five days later on the floor, and um, we, um, we, I mean, luckily I bring some noodles for, for my, um, the back of noodles for, um, for my daughter and only my young, uh, young daughter, she doesn't have it. So she has to drink a little bit of water. I go around and ask for the board, something for them to drink. And after that, they say, don't we, they put me in the cargo and they flew me to the Clarivis. And at Clarivis, I try to um, very surprise many people already at Clarivis. And I try to connect my husband because he, he was there in the Clarivis. But uh, I cannot. And so I just wait and I keep on to ask somebody to connect to my friend in the Malila. Mm -hmm. And because we have many friends in the Malila, because my husband, every, month, every three months he went, he flew the Clarivis, so he always visit Malina. So I try to talk to one of the friends, and they say, try to connect to my husband. And like, luckily, maybe one week later, my husband reached to me, okay? Oh, wow. An amazing effort on your part to keep trying. And yeah. the three children. Yeah. Eventually, did you guys fly to Manila as well? Yeah. Or fly to the no, Manila? no, I don't fly. We stay at Clarvis. After the, we take the paperwork, so we went mm -hmm. to... Uh, 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 we went to uh, um, Guam. Guam. 
Yes, we stay there for two or three months, mm -hmm. and then after that, get the paper to go to Camp Pendleton. And then eventually, you guys made your way up to San Francisco as well. Yeah, and ten days later, my oh, mother-in-law she picked me up, and we are lucky that my mother-in-law she went to United States on 1968. Yeah, then we are just like lucky that my mother she liked to travel. And she, in 1968, and she stopped at San Francisco, and she wanted to stay back in the United States. So this is the, I just say, like, our fit. And her friend helped, um, I mean, suggest her to get immigrants. So in, if she wanted to get, get immigrant, uh, to immigration, just to get immigrant here, she should work something, and she should do something. And this is the reason why she bought the small uh, um. in, they an Italian. It was like a twenty place. seat uh, deli. No, that, not ten, ten seat. Oh, on, ten seat on deli. The counter. Yeah. And uh, an Italian counter, Italian deli cafe. Yeah, and the, and that was the beginnings of what would become the yeah. first Vietnamese restaurant, Tan Long. Yeah, that correct. Right. And I yes. read, I read somewhere that you guys originally, obviously, started serving Italian food because it was an Italian deli, yeah. but slowly. You started introducing Vietnamese food. Yes, menu. because my mother, she came here, she don't have, she don't want to change the menu because she just want to keep exact the same yeah. because by herself. And then, uh, and then by 1975, we came. Uh, and then just like my fit. And really, I have to tell you the truth. I don't, I don't know how to cook by that time. <laughs> but I have to, you have to survive. So I have to, start to learn slowly with my mother-in-law. So I remember finding an old menu back in um, 1975 and it had mainly all Italian dishes and there was just two, a little section with uh, two dishes and it was a Dungeness roast crab and the Vietnamese rice paper roll or we, we had called it imperial roll back they then. Minty, minty vitamin roll. Oh, and minty, my mom, my mother-in-law, she called minty vitamin roll because in that, in that um, roll, they have a seven ingredient. So she's mm -hmm. eating very more, a lot of vitamin. So she called minty vitamin so roll. I remember it was like a couple cents for that. And then the Dungeness Rose Crab was like $2 and 95 cents mm -hmm. back then. Um, but yeah, and, and I, at that time I was not born yet because I was born five years later, but yeah. Um, yeah. We all went and lived in my uh, grandmother's um, one-bedroom apartment. So it was uh, my grandfather, my grandmother, my mom and dad, um, and then eventually there was five girls. We were all together and in yeah. the one apartment across the street. So we ran from that from that original location. Yes, across the street of the restaurant. So, and your husband and your family were reunited in that same year? Was that also 1975? Yeah, 1975. So, so no choice for me. I have to work. And, yeah. so, and one thing that's very difficult for me that about the language. So very difficult. I have to struggle about that because I have to learn English, how I can express myself so everybody can understand me and how I can express them, my culture share with everybody the culture about me, about my, my culture. So very difficult, very, uh, a lot of uh, difficulty for me to survive. Uh -huh. yeah. Not only to get money to survive, to get food, but 
about culture also very difficult and the people don't understand you and very hard when you work and you go out uh, how you can share with the people so um, the, so this is a big problem for me the about the language yeah and, and beside that I have to survive and take care of my children and help uh, uh, how to raise the children so a lot of things to to plan to do it mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think all um, immigrants were feeling that pressure because you were not only trying to raise your children but you were simply trying to survive mm -hmm. um, and make a living yeah and especially when I was in my country I don't have anything to do I don't do anything I don't have to do anything now I come everything I have to start at the beginning that means at the bottom so I have to do everything I have and, and my husband in in the back the country uh, in the like uh, our country he's a commander so under him is a 100 soldier working with him so when he come here he don't know what to do right. so a lot of um, I mean depressed you know we very depressive and very um, that mean we don't see any future but how we can face that so only so uh, I have to help my husband I don't want to feel depressed so I just try to work everything I can I try to fix everything I can to keep the family happy and uh, how to keep family happy and how to make the to think the how to help the future how how we can predict the future no in, very uncertain future yeah so very difficult that time yeah yeah but, so but slowly so this is the reason why i mentioned that asian movement very important they they help the what what any occasion any heart, yeah. um, atmosphere only women asian women very quiet but very strong Exactly. Uh, we call that the invisible weight, right? That yes. we carry all these things that and don't acknowledge and can't see. Um, yeah. And, you know, I admire you for what you did because not only did you raise a family of females, but you guys also raised this empire from, from what was this deli that mm -hmm. eventually like became a Vietnamese restaurant. And when did you guys make that transition? Um, from going from part menu of Italian and part Vietnamese to the full-fledged um, Vietnamese restaurant. It was like 20 years yeah. of hard work, sweat and tears uh, later yeah. um, that we finally opened up um, the first crustacean in San Francisco. But it, it took my family 20 years of of like my mom working double jobs. I, I yeah. think growing up, I, I never really got to see my mom because... I would wake up and she would go off to work at her AM job. Um, yeah, I have to work for, I uh, I get the background in accounting. So mm -hmm. I, I did, uh, I get some credit. So I get the accounting degree here. And then I work for uh, Langley Port Institute at UC in San Francisco in the morning. And in evening, I work for my mother-in-law. I help her to run the business. So slowly, slowly, I change the menu because uh, um, yeah. I try to help her because um, she wants to change the menu too, but she cannot do by herself. So I know her wish. So 
So I try to work in the morning and come back in the evening. So slowly, slowly, we change the menu, and we change the add some uh, something add on to get the menu more Vietnamese interesting. So I want everybody can uh, share. I can share the the culture and the food from Vietnam to uh, to American people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, having been the first Vietnamese restaurant in San Francisco, I mean, that's quite an achievement in terms of what you guys um, were able to do for the culture of Southeast Asia. I um, probably like 10, 11 years ago, had a birthday dinner when I lived in San Francisco up at Tan Long in the sunset. So I have memories of that restaurant myself, and I'm sure many Asian Americans do as well. Yeah. So Catherine, what was it like for you growing up? Um, because you're American born, but you obviously um, had a deep tie to the culture and you saw both your parents and your family working so hard. What was that like for you? I, I think I remember not understanding much, but just wanting to have my mom at home with me. That was like the most important thing to me. Um, and she always told me like how much she loves me she has we have to work hard now so she can give me an education um but i you know if she left early in the morning and i didn't see her i would my dad told me i would just cry and cry if she didn't say goodbye to me i would just cry because i just felt like i never got to see her and then when she came home from work i think she would maybe rest her head for like an hour at most and then she was gone again um at the restaurant so I mean, the only way I was able to see my mom was if we hung out at the restaurant. So we had like a little, little attic, I remember up above that we would go back to school and would do our homework there. Um, slowly we like learned, my mom would give us little restaurant tasks to <laughs> roll some, uh, you know, um, Vietnamese jazz all together. And, yeah. and, and we got to, you know, spend time together when we we're at the restaurant. Um, but um, yeah, it was just over time. I, I saw like how, you know, I remember growing up and like um, when we had like more than like 20 people in the restaurant, we were so excited. And then um, one day they came home and they were like, oh my God, we made like $2,000. And that was like incredible. That was so much money to us back then. Yeah. And then we start seeing people line up around the bus stop or restaurant was like in front of this bus stop and we would see people lining out the door to go in to get our food um and um next thing you know we were like kind of like the neighborhood joint i mean it was kind of random because it was back in where north uh 46 and judah so there wasn't much around but just like residential right. homes um and over time we from that I thought it was a 20 seat deli, but my mom <laughs> corrected me and said it was 10 seats. Um, but we slowly bought over, the, I remember there's a barber shop next to us and there was like a small little video store. So we slowly bought over the barber shop, the video store, and then some um, units above and grew it to now um, 165 seats. No, we start uh, to remodel the, the this only the way right. we have. So how many seats is it now? Now it's 200 seats. Upstairs and downstairs. Yeah, so it took us twenty years to yeah. get there, but we eventually got there. And I, and I, I remember by then when I was in middle school, um, my mom's garlic noodles already had gotten really popular and famous. 
and other restaurants were starting to imitate or duplicate garlic noodles. So my friends in grade school was asking me, hey, is that a, a Vietnam, a traditional Vietnamese dish? And I was like, you know what? I don't know. Let me go home and ask my mom. So I asked my mother and she was like, no, it's something I created because your grandfather loved garlic. Uh, back then when, when we had just came, I was trying to survive and build a business in North Beach uh, area pizza mm-hmm. and Italian food was the most uh, popular thing. And that was uh, spaghetti. So my mom told me like, oh, that was my version of spaghetti because I love garlic because it's very healthy for you. And, um, you know, and uh, I tested with you kids first and you guys, girls all loved it. Uh, so I started to sell it at the restaurant, but that was uh, her version. She always told me of, of spaghetti because she didn't like too much sauces and stuff. So um, that, yeah. that's how it all began. But she was trying to create a dish that would get people to come in um, because it became our livelihood. Right. So, so when I work, um, I see everybody on my friend, they love the pasta and they yeah. eat pasta. And I question myself, why? So why I don't create something like a Vietnamese pasta? So I just create something. I just say, this is Vietnamese pasta. So I come up with my garlic noodle because I believe garlic is very good and very healthy for everybody. Uh, because I learned Eastern medicine when I was back in my country and around my parents, they only apply all the ingredients for Eastern medicine in the food. So I say, why I don't do something here to help the people when they eat, they feel healthy, not heavy, and help them to get healthy too. So almost my food I create, I want to apply anything that is help you for, uh, from the first for nutrition and tasty but healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is the first thing I come up with garlic noodle. Because oh, garlic, that... you know already, it's, it's good for everything. Yeah. For cholesterol, for high blood pressure, for uh, arthritis and everything. So this is the reason why I come up with garlic noodle. Yeah. And your ingenuity gave you the name of the mother of fusion, Asian fusion. Just bringing the different cultures together. Yeah. I mean, the the restaurant journey is really not for the faint of heart. Like you said, it's um, a lot of blood, sweat, work, and tears. And sometimes it's the success doesn't come easy. Um, I read um, when you guys had opened the Crustacean Restaurant um, in the first six months, um, sales were not yet in the black. And there was a critic that came in um, that wrote a one-star review. And then another critic that came in that was singing your praises. And I think that this is such a demonstration of how in, ingenious you are. But you put out this ad in the newspaper to get the general public to come in and decide, well, whose review do you agree with? Um, how did you come up with that idea? That is just so smart. This is um, that time we have to tell you the truth. We are trouble. And the first, I mean, the second restaurant in San Jose. Francisco, I lost money for six months. I lost money. I so worry. I don't know what to do. So I say, is a, the I think that not fair when they criticize like that. And most of my uh, customer, they why uh, they 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 put that. I mean, they love me. They say, why do that to you? You have to do something. 
to share with everybody. So I think it's the only best way to everybody to, to judge me than to be fair. Then this is the reason why I put in the newspaper. Just so I want everybody to understand uh, about my food and they can come and, and see and how they judge. So, and then I'm lucky, just I say, I'm lucky too, because the person, I mean, the critic, he come to, uh, the, to, uh, uh, to, um, I mean, to get, come to visit the restaurant and he loved the food. He loved Catholic Newton. And yeah. this is the reason why he expressed that, oh, he wants to marry me and he know everything on it. SCP, everything. Then he, uh, and then he divorced me. And he, yeah. <laughs> the article um, that you're referring to um, uh, was it was by the San Jose Mercury, and the, it was yeah, titled yeah. "Garlic Noodles Worth Marrying For," yeah, uh, where yeah. he would divorce his temper current wife, remarry, uh, marry my mother for the recipe, and then divorce her and then remarry his wife again. Um, that's how much he loved the garlic noodles. Yeah. yeah. So um, it is. A, I have to say, I'm lucky too. So I think yeah. this only way I can prove to everybody that to, so. Uh, yeah, and I, I recall my um, older sister, um, Elizabeth, pushing for the uh, the opening of crustacean um, because back then we were one of the largest purveyor of Dungeness roast crab, and we didn't want to have an ethnic name associated mm-hmm. with it. Like, as Tang Long was an ethnic name, and back then in like the the you know eighties, um, if you're if it's Asian food, it was kind of lumped into like oh, cheap Chinese food yeah. and everything is all the same. So we were like, well, how can we get people to try other dishes, mom, that you cook for us? Because my mom also had like a, a French background in her cooking technique and the, the food she cooked for us at home um, was a bit of a fusion. So we're like, well, let's try this and, you know, let's try to get it more in a price point um, where we could be seen as more sophisticated dining because Asian food is very intricate mm-hmm. and can be very sophisticated. So we just thought, well, we'll blend in some of the East, um, Western and European technique that people would pay more for. And that's how we came up with uh, I mean, crustacean. But it was a huge risk that my family took um, yeah. because we put all of our money into it. And yeah. I think when we placed that article, it was like, this is the last of what we have to place like a full page article in the SF yeah. Chronicle. Um, but let's see what will happen. And that helped us t- turn everything around. Um, yeah. And we, and we got busier. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because you guys sort of took it into your own hands and, you know, with risk sometimes comes great reward. And obviously it was successful because you then went to open the Beverly Hills location some seven years later, if I read correctly. And you guys literally do have an empire. I mean, you have a catering arm of your business. You have a book. You have um, multiple other restaurants as well that play off the fusion as well. I mean, it's it's really ultimately been a success. And, And I love the story that you guys share where all of you sisters actually do participate in the business as well and bring something different to the table, um, which is which is such a beautiful thing for a family to be able to share. Because I know sometimes, you know, immigrant families that start businesses, they don't want their children to stay in a business necessarily. They sometimes started those businesses so that they could do something else so that their children. I think it's true. It's, it's funny because 
my grandmother and including my mom too always said that we have the restaurant business so you don't have to be in it meaning mm-hmm. to so that you could do something else because it is such hard work yeah. but I think all of us meaning her daughters we witness how hard my mother has worked and because of that we all want to contribute and be there to support her and help her and that's how we all even though they push us away we all end up in it some way or form um because of her hard work um we want to be yeah. there and the um, commitment to family right important. and and any like you said it it is hard working together as a family and as sisters and my mom always had this story like if you have um one you know one chopstick it's much easier to break but if you bundle the chopstick together like the five chopstick now try to break it it's much harder to break um and just you know that story alone reminds me of yeah of where we are now like we need to just stay unified um together so that that we are unbreakable and i'm I'm talking not as a a race but just as a country you know we shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves at this time yeah, and you actually bring up a good transition. Usually with our episodes, we we end the episode with a, a, a love letter, let's say, to the Asian community. I know you're speaking to the larger humanity group, but, you know, this is Dear Asian Americans, and we'd love for you guys to share, you know, from your own personal journey, what is a piece of advice or a message um, that you'd love to share with our greater community, if you could? Um, I think on that note that I always think of what my mom teaches me about like staying unified and sticking together um, to be unbreakable would be probably be my, my message is that we are unified as Americans together, regardless of, of our race. And that's what we need to remember um, to stay strong together, to find a solution to the pandemic and how we're going to get over it um, as a country and not to be divisive like the hate and the violence is not going to get us anywhere. It's a big crime if they do like that. They hate and they take up, I mean, take that excuse that or they uh, that to, to violate and to kill the people and hurt the people, it's a big crime. I think it's wrong. And I just, my last message is you just say, when we say United State, that means all the state has to be united. That means the people, everybody has united. That this is my last message. That why we call United State and why we divide now. So it's not, it's, it's wrong. Uh, everybody's wrong. So they cannot, they should share with the country, share the aid and on the pain together and help together to resolve the problem. So yeah. we need United. That's it. I agree. I think, you know, we need to be united. And, you know, if I could share one piece, one more piece that I did read about your family, there was a a 2019 article um, in the LA Times about your leadership style and how you described it as one of encouragement. And I think that's a beautiful way um, to kind of circle back to what you're saying. It's to come from a place of openness and love. And that sort of goes hand in hand with sharing your successes and your pains with the people around you and knowing that you are united and that you are together. And that sentiment and, and that, um, that style of leadership is really what we need um, more of these days. And, and I commend you and your family for being, you know, an example of that because we need more of that 
then we need to share more stories like yours um, so that people can see that example, that positive example. So the House of On is just proof of, um, you know, how much love and encouragement can, can bring you, um, how much success it can bring you. So um, we really thank you guys for being on the show with us and sharing your story um, and also sharing your pain um, in this difficult time that we're going through. So thank you so much, Helene and Catherine, for being on. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, we really hope with compassion and understanding that we can get over this together. And um, so yeah, we love nothing more. United together and we can get over everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you. You're Tiffany. welcome. Thank you. It was so nice to meet See you. Both. Anytime at the restaurant. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was an amazing story. And I think we talk a lot about um, generational shift and then how we, many Asian American families, um, are able to, through grit, hard work, luck, of course, and then support of so many others, um, are able to turn around um, uh, just in one generation and so much. So uh, knowing how Helene and her family uh, moved here um, in, in the shadows of the war in Vietnam and to see how have how they've grown um, and then sort of full circle, not in the best way, but of what's going on now, um, it really is inspiring. And so a uh, big thanks again to Helene and Catherine for bravely coming on and share your story. Again, to Bonnie, Stella, and Henry over at TDW and company. And again, my deepest gratitude to my dear friend, Tiffany, uh, for hosting this and all of our March episodes. So um, thanks again. Uh, check us out at theoriesamericans.com to listen to uh, previous episodes. Theories of the Americans on Instagram, Theory Agent Am on Twitter. Email us, hello at theoriesamericans.com. If you want to um, chat with us or if you are interested in sponsoring the show or working with us together. So uh, big thank you. Uh, we are going to be wrapping up uh, Women's Her History Month uh, here with one more amazing conversation with another dear friend of ours. So. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Hope you are taking care of yourself and taking care of each other as we continue to navigate a very challenging time for our community. So please be safe, please be healthy, and don't forget to smile today. Thanks again so much. This has been Jerry, and thank you for tuning in to the Asian Americans.